0: Is Entarobang. Bang is the bonus segment of my Wire People into That podcast. Follow at Tina Hornsass or at Tina Hornsass if you're nasty on Twitter and Instagram. Visit wirepeopleintothat.com. Support my show and get extra shit at patreon.com slash Tinahorn that's P A T R E O N dot com slash T I N A H O R N Hi Andrew, welcome to Wire People Into That
2: Hi Tina, how you doing?
0: I'm I'm good, it's Saturday. Um I actually got to sleep in. Um yeah, feels good. Um how's your Saturday going?
2: I, I wish I could sleep in. I was up at eight o'clock. Oh my God. <laughs> being being responsible and being woken up by my caregivers. so that was I did not get to sleep in. I never sleep in. I wish I could.
0: Oh man. yeah, I I mean during the week, like I have to get up at seven. um and when I don't have to, like just just waking up on my own and not being woken up by something. Is, it's
2: beautiful, right? Just, just wake up and be like, okay, it's morning. It's actually the time my body wanted to wake. Great.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, I'm really excited to have you on for this episode of Interobang. Um And we we decided to do an Interobang, um just because you're doing such interesting and amazing work that not a lot of people are doing. And I, I mostly just wanted to talk to you about... Um, what you're up to so do you want to um tell the folks listening at home a little bit about what you do you're you're a writer journalist um sounds like you consider yourself an activist as well and you have a podcast your podcast is called disability after dark it's fucking awesome you live in toronto right
2: yeah well there's a lot of <laughs> There's a lot of little branches I could start on there. Um, okay, so the things they should know about me: I'm a. I consider myself a disability awareness consultant. So I don't. I don't outrightly call myself an activist, although I think I am. I, I call myself a disability awareness consultant because I want to bring the lived experience of disability, something we don't often think about or talk about enough in popular culture, to the forefront. Nice, es- especially in queer culture. There's almost no discussion of queerness and disability. It's slowly starting to make its way with people kind of doing similar work to mine, but I just, I want to be one of the people that champions that and brings it forward for the next generation of people with disabilities who might be under the rainbow and queer.
0: Fantastic. Um, so uh, tell, tell us a little bit about the kinds of writing that you've been doing around the subjects of disability and queerness.
2: I've written so many pieces about disability and queerness for... Almost like
0: a ton to talk about.
2: Yeah, so many different outlets. And and what I'm finding in in the media representation of disability, and it's something that I'm going to be talking about on my podcast soon, I'm finding the media representation of disability and queerness is really annoying. Mm. (laughs) Because the way they market disability and queerness, when I pitched ideas about disability and queerness to certain outlets... They'll be like, "Wow, we can reveal that you're gay and disabled," and I'm like, "That's not a reveal. Like, why does that have to be? Why are we revealing that? Why is that a big reveal? Why does that need to be a surprise?" Yeah, um,
0: that re- reveal element is, um, is it's it's uh, it's very problematic, actually.
2: Yeah, and I, they, like, it's like seen... you
0: were it's like you were trying to like hide and deceive some element of yourself. Or yeah, would you... deceive others about who you are.
2: Which is totally not how I operate. I'm very, I mean, you've read my stuff. You've hopefully listened to the podcast if you haven't. I I totally have. Yeah. So you know that I don't try to hide anything. I'm very like, here it is. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. So, So when I, and I have, I have participated in pieces where they've changed the title to make it more like marketable and shocking. And I'm just like, okay. That's not, I didn't, that's not how I wrote this. Why did you make it be so, it doesn't need to be this big reveal. And I think in my work, I'm not trying to reveal anything. Mm. I'm trying to just tell, tell my truth about being what I refer to as a, I refer to myself as a queer cripple. I'm very open about that term. That's a term of complete empowerment for me. Um, And I don't see it as a, a negative. And I also find when I write a lot of stuff, I will use the term in these outlets, I'll use queer cripple, and people will go, oh my god, don't call yourself that, that's offensive. And I'll go, well, do you understand my experience? Are you living this?
0: I mean, what? that's 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 so disappointing to hear because it's, um, no matter how widespread the concept of reclaiming a word is, people still have just seem to have a really hard time with it. I mean, the term queer obviously is a reclaimed epithet or, you know, and it's also about self-identification too, right? Like, for example, if like someone calls me fat, then that could be like insulting or hurtful or offensive to me because it's a, it's a charged word that is being weaponized against me. Right. But if I talk about like, I actually had an experience recently where I was like talking very, um, uh like uh like positively about my chub rub. Like I was talking about like bathing suits and like talking about like like you know like the place where my thighs rub together and how sometimes it's a problem when you're like swimming in salty water, you know, but like not uh but not in a like oh no, whoa it's me, my chub rub you know? And uh yeah. And, uh, and and somebody was like, oh, no, no, don't say that about your body. Don't say that about your thighs. Don't say that about yourself. And I was like, excuse me. I <laughs> Actually, like, I, I I find that when I use that word to describe myself, I find it cute. I find it also kind of like, it's it undermines the power that someone would have to, like, weaponize it against me and hurt.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I totally agree with that. And I think a lot of the times, like, I, I did a piece for... Huff poll recently where I talked about four things you should never say to a queer cripple before or during sex and the article you know I wrote about four things that have happened to me when I have been with partners before and after sex and weird shit they've said to me when we're trying to get it on and I just wrote about like the things they said and how awkward it was and I did a little vignette of each yeah. for these four things and the responses I got from people who read the article were like oh, why did you use the word queer cripple and I was like did you read the article like that oh my God. The, did you read anything I said? Because the words queer cripple were not even referenced or mentioned in the article, other than to, to like make the piece have a title. That's all it was for. So I find it really interesting and really damaging when white, cisgendered, het people, able bodied people especially, like to use their power to tell us what we should and should not call ourselves.
0: Right. Cause um, that, I mean, condescension even if it is even if it comes from a place of care as opposed to you know um it's like it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't matter if somebody is uh trying to cause you pain or trying to um take care of you it is like sometimes can be like just as hurtful and insulting
2: for It's almost worse I think I would I would yeah. suggests that it's when they try to do it in this level of, oh, I'm just looking out for you. It's like, no, you're not. Yeah. No, you aren't. And I will tell lovers or people that I'm seeing or guys that I'm fucking or people that I'm spending time with, if you really want to get to know me and you really want to be a part of my circle and you really want to understand how disability impacts my life, you better... And if I let you in and I I let you use that term with me and let you use the term queer cripple, which I, I ask people to use. The other day on my Facebook, I said, you know, this is the term I will be identifying as. Please call me that from now on. And I, I say the same thing to my to people that I'm sleeping with. If I, if I allow you to use that term with me, it's really important, and you should be honored to use it. And if you do start using it around me, it means you, you're starting to get it, and you're starting to see why it's an important part of who I am.
0: That's fucking awesome. I love that. Um, can you give us a couple of examples of of things like of what not to say to a differently abled person in bed or um, even, or even da- I'm sure it applies also to like being on a date or like being in a play party.
2: Yeah. Well, for me, <laughs> for me, not to call you out, but to softly call you in for me personally, don't call me differently. Able, I will give you.
0: Oh, please. Dinner. Thank you. No, th- th- uh, tell me, tell me, tell me more. Like I,
2: <laughs> so I, it's of, funny. Um,
0: do you, what do you prefer?
2: I prefer queer cripple for me personally. But I have a friend with disabilities who prefers differently able, And we're we're good friends and she's an activist. And so when I'm around her, I'll use that term. But if somebody calls me that term, I get really uncomfortable. Because I think a lot of the issues with disability politics is that we're too afraid to say the word disabled. Mm. There was a really good campaign by an an activist, um, Lawrence Carter Long, who does disability work. He It was on his Facebook a few months ago, and I fell in love with it. It says, "Call me disabled and it's a big it's a big meme that just says, "Call me disabled, Say the word. Mm. I think people are really scared yeah. to use the word disabled or disability because we've been taught that those words are meant to diminish right, which is why in almost all of my work, that's why the podcast is called Disability after Dark right. not. really abled or enabled or all these terms that I think are important for people to understand that for a lot of us, those terms diminish our experience of disability. So for me, the term disability is really important. The term cripple is really important because it turns everything on its head and says, fuck you, I know what I am. I know who I am. I know what I'm going through. Like, join in the fight with me. And I think, especially right now, um, in our political climate, this type of resistance and this type of choosing our own language to d- to define ourselves as to who we want to be is really important um, because, you know, given all the stuff that's happening with Trump right now, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm in Canada and I'm watching and holy fuck, what is happening? But just to see what's going on, I think as disabled people, we have to resist. And one of the ways that I resist is by being like, yeah, I'm crippled. Yeah, I'm disabled. Here I am. So for me, and I, it's funny because I'm not political in any way, but for me, it takes on a whole, New kind of thing, and i I'm really proud of the labels that I've given myself because i'm I, they can't now they can't be used so to, to they can't be weaponized against me because they're terms of empowerment um,
0: well, I, I, gr- I I just want to say I appreciate that so much, and I think it's um. And thank you for uh, for calling me out, calling me in on that, and um,
2: bringing you in. I would never call you out. I love your stuff, and I don't want to. I don't want to pretend like I'm calling you out in a harsh way because I think I can handle. I also, it. <laughs> yeah, I also think when people call people out, sometimes they mean well. But I think we have to start working about, especially in disability politics, instead of getting angry at somebody, we need to bring them in and get them angry with us, totally, to to fight with us. So so. Thank you for taking that criticism and working on it with me um, well, and
0: i just i just want before uh we go back to the subject at hand, I want to say that I think that the thing that is um really useful about what you're saying is that it applies to all different kinds of identities and experiences it really yeah. is about self identification and I think that people get um their heads in a tizzy about, well, what am I supposed to... What is is the respectful term to use? You know, what is the politically correct term to use? And obviously, like, you just had an example of, like, somebody who prefers differently abled because that that feels more accurate, more better to them. And, like, but uh, by the same token, like, saying crip, saying disabled um, is is, like, empowering or, like, just what you what you prefer, what you choose. Um, and all of those things make sense. And I think that people need to be better able to accept that there's not just going to be one word that they can, like, rest on their laurels with for the rest of time.
2: <laughs> yeah, I like, totally. this is the
0: respectful thing. This is the respectful word to use. And as long as I use this word, then haters are never going to hate on me and nobody's ever going to call me out and nobody's ever going to, like... You know, like, post about me on Tumblr.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Although, hey, I wouldn't mind if somebody posted about me on Tumblr as long as there's naked photos attached. Okay. I'm good with that. Um,
0: So what are some things that piss you off that people have said to you in bed?
2: Things that piss me off people have said to me in bed. Wow, where do I start? My favorite one of all time that happens to me on a repeated basis is having a guy about to go down on me about to get to the promised land and do the thing (laughs) and they're down there and just imagine somebody you know pulling down your pants and they're about to do it and they go can you feel that Mm. and you kind of go well yeah um but wouldn't you have figured that out before we're in this position what
1: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: The mood out in the hall ain't fantastic. Air feels static,
0: not dramatic. Let's say I like meet someone at a bar who self-identifies as crippled, self-identifies as a crip, self-identifies as crip. What's the better construction?
2: P.S. I love that you... I love that you had a moment with yourself where you're trying to figure out what which which part of Cripple to use. That was awesome. That might have, that was really great. Um so I think if somebody was to, if you were to approach somebody in a bar that you were super wanting to get with and you were like, "Oh, I want to talk to this person, but they're they're in a wheelchair or they have a mobility device, or what do I do?" Or and it's clear to you they have a disability. I think the thing you do is you, you know, make make the usual annoying small talk we all make. That's not based on ability that's just based on annoying bar like etiquette. Yeah. Um but then you say to them like, hey, I notice you're in a disability or wow, I didn't say that right. You say, Hey, I notice you have a disability and I don't know much about it, but I think you're really hot. Can can we talk about it? If somebody approached me in a bar and said that to me, my pants would be off and my door would be open. Let's go.
0: <laughs> awesome. I mean, gosh, I, I, I think that's so great and I think that it's um it really applies again it applies to everything. I mean, it applies to gender. It, it applies to, you know, monogamy, you know, like not making any assumptions about, um, you know, like someone's monogamy status or like or somebody's gender or what words they like to use to describe their body. Um, you know, what, what kind what they're into in general, what kinds of kinks they may be into, how they identify within their kinks. I, I mean, um, I think that that's such great advice no matter what.
2: I, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, um, I think it's just about being respectful of a person's face and asking them and and not erasing their their experience. I've also had guys tell me that during and after sex, oh, I don't see your wheelchair. and I'm like, well, what? you should because you had to get me out of it out of it in order for us right, to stop. That's like,
0: I don't see race,
2: yeah. it's like I you it's like you should see my race or you should see my disability or you should see whatever, whatever thing that I'm living with and dealing with and experiencing I want you to see it because it makes it who I am. I have a big issue in the disability community where I see people say to me like, "Oh, Andrew, your disability doesn't doesn't define you." Yes it does. Mm. It totally completely does. And I don't ref- I refuse to be erased by that. Yeah. So when people when people call when people say that to me, I always immediately say, "Well, you better see the chair, you won't be seeing me anymore because this is part of who I am. Oh
0: my God, I love that.
2: <laughs> I, I was talking to my friend who does porn in um, LA. He does gay porn and we, I did an interview with him for my older podcast about a year and a bit ago and he said something that I'll never forget. He said, you know, because I was asking him how a disabled person with my type of disability could get in porn and we were having a discussion and he was really insightful and said a lot of great stuff. But one of the things he said was, if you don't see the chair or don't acknowledge the chair, you're apologizing for it. And I that that stuck with me forever because I don't I don't wanna ever apologize for my chair. And I notice sometimes when I'm trying to get guys to bed me, sometimes I'll ask them the question, Oh, is my disability okay? And that's something that I have to stop doing because mm. it is okay. I know it's okay. But I know I understand also the internalized ableism that comes sure. that happens when I wanna try to impress somebody. So even I fall victim to not knowing how to handle the disability sometimes,
0: so uh, are you gonna get into porn?
2: <laughs> I would fucking love to get into porn. if there was an avenue that didn't fetishize me too much, yeah, I, I have no problem being fetishized to a point, right. i I think when it comes to other bodies, I think there is a specific level of fetishization that's okay um, as long as that's it's not what hard.
0: Makes, that's what makes you human. I mean, we fetishize each other for all kinds of reasons i mean if somebody i mean it goes back to what you were just saying right like if if somebody was like pretending that they that like who you are and what like your body and like the particular way that you express your sexuality through your physical form like through your physicality like if they were like, oh well, I don't, I don't see that, like in terms of in terms of sexuality, in terms of even how we would make this like commercial sexuality or artistic sexuality, um, then that would just be like you're you're like ignoring part of who that person would be like ignoring who you are.
2: Yeah, the, and the you know for me the most important part like the, goes back to when people say, oh, a lot of disabled people say my disability just doesn't define me. Yeah, and I I always counter with why not? Yeah. Like why doesn't it? Why couldn't it? And so in in the work that I do, I'm trying I'm trying to create a platform that says, yeah, my disability completely, one million percent, does define me, and let's start talking about that. Yeah. I think the disability discourse is so. I was I I tweeted about this the other day. When we look at the disability discourse generally, not even, not even when it comes to sex, just generally, it's so overrun with people talking about ability and talking about how you have to overcome and how you have to be stronger and all this all these old tropes that we're used to seeing but why can't we talk about what disability really feels like and how it hurts and how sometimes it sucks ass and how some days i don't like it but i'm living it and this is my experience and let's talk about that
0: i also know so many sex workers and people in porn who have invisible disabilities and they really struggle with like on one hand having the privilege to be able to you know to to work without ha- like having to field those questions, but at the same time, like it obviously it it affects their work, it it affects their ability to do their work, and they sometimes wish that they well, I mean some of them do and in, in some of them are out about it in in various ways, um, but uh that definitely also like seems to be a factor.
2: Yeah, I think um, that invisible disabilities, uh, especially in the in the in the in any kind of, of sexual discussion, is are so hard because people don't. If I can't see it, then I can't categorize you, and I can't understand. Um, so I and I I deal with invisible disabilities like depression too. Yeah. Um, as a result of CP, you know, people with CP have three to four times higher levels of depression because of their lived experience and also because they they lack there's not a lot of support for people with disabilities who are depressed because we're supposed to be depressed so i think there's a big there needs to be a wider discussion especially in sex positivity about disability generally and one of the people doing amazing work around that is i don't know if you've seen chronic sex pop up on
0: oh no but i'm definitely going to check that out
2: They're fantastic. Kirsten Schultz is her name. She's just started this movement. It's amazing. I talked to her. I did a podcast episode with her, which is coming out in about two weeks from now, um, where we talk about her work. She's one of the funniest, sweetest people, but she's doing a lot of work around sexuality and chronic and invisible illnesses. And I just think it's about fucking time. Like, it's just great that I love activists who are not really overt about their activism, but are trying to make activism part of pop culture in a way that is fun and sexy and different and and that's really what I aim to do in the work that I do. And when I see other people doing that, I'm like, yes, we're we're moving along perfectly.
0: Well no, not to have a one-track mind, but I just want to go back to porn for a second and remind you Amazing. That it's very, very uh simple these days to make your own porn and put it out there and monetize it and market it, you know? So if you are wanting to make porn and wanting to be like totally in control of the degree to which you are exotified and like the branding of the porn being about like, this is how I exotify myself. This is how I want you to uh, objectify me, et cetera, et cetera. You can totally make that yourself.
2: I am totally down for that. Nice I would and so-
0: subscribe. I'm just saying.
2: Amazing! I have some friends in the Toronto area. Anybody who's not in Toronto who wants to fly in and do a porn with me, um, we should talk because I'm totally down for that. But I find that male on male porn, um, first of all, finding somebody who wants to do that is pr- who who's willing to open their mind up past a very, a very white cisgendered um, heteronormative male aesthetic, yeah, uh, is really tough. So there's anybody who's queer who wants to consider... I would love to do my own porn. And I am not... Like, I am really not shy about my body. I love getting naked. I love being complete... I... It's funny, because the term for disability that people use, the correct, quote-unquote, correct term, the politically correct term, is persons with disabilities. Mm. So I make a joke about it, and I say I'm a provocateur with disabilities. Yes. (laughs) Because I like to... I just like to play with all that stuff. I like to turn disability on its head. That's why I do Disability After Dark. That's why I also have the hashtag um, Bear in a Chair. Uh, I have, you know, a ton of different hashtags. I'm going to be starting something I haven't told anybody yet. This is like a world premiere. I'm going to be starting a hashtag soon. Once I have the artwork ready and prepped, I'm going to be starting a hashtag soon called kiss a queer Kissing a Queer Cripple is an Act of Resistance. And the artwork will be basically somebody making out with me. And then that'll, that'll be the that'll be the hashtag. But I think it's just so fun to play with that stuff and to play with the idea to play with the reality of disability and to not make it so scary and to bring it into pop culture in a way that is fun.
0: Hell yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. Well, well, I can't, I'm g Oh my God. Bear in a chair. I'm going to be following that. Um, I am really excited about the idea of kissing a queer cripple as an act of resistance. I like want to see that like more and more and more.
2: Um, That's, I'm planning to get that on shirts. I have a whole thing planned. As soon as I get the, the artist is amazing. I'm just waiting for them to, to to get it to me once it's ready. Like I'm, I want it to go everywhere because I think it's such a cool idea. Yeah. Because people are afraid to, to sexualize the disabled so if we connect it to the shittiness that's happening in the states and say, listen, if you make out with me, you're you're you know joining <laughs> joining the resistance in a small, sexy way. Like that's fun. Oh my so- god,
0: it's huge. It's uh yeah, kissins for the resistance. I love it. Um, can um, what I want to ask you about um also is the intersection of uh queerness and disability in your work. Um, I I. I know it's a really like broad topic and I'm not sure if I have a specific question, but I, I wonder maybe if you can speak about like uh, a, a specific way that those identities overlap in your life.
2: Uh, how they well, They have given me a job. Cool. (laughs) Without, without being queer and disabled, I wouldn't have created the work I do. I wouldn't have wanted to become a, a disability awareness consultant and work for myself as a freelance, you know, as a freelancer person, just being like, hey, here I am. Want to see me do talks? And like, so it's give me a job. Um, it overlaps because I have to look at sexuality and queerness in a different way. I have to come out both as queer all the time to my caregivers. It's funny. This morning, I had a brand new caregiver getting me up and we're talking and trying to get to know each other. And she goes, oh, do you have a girlfriend? And I said, nope. And I just didn't, I didn't feel like going any further. I just said, nope. And I just left it alone. And we moved on and started chatting. Again. And then two minutes later, she goes, great, save it till marriage. And I was like, save what? And she's like, save sex. And I was like, oh, no. So I didn't bother continuing because I just had not I didn't have any like energy to go there. But it overlaps. I mean,
0: I, you know, I, you don't need me to tell you this, but like that I something that really sticks out to me about that is that I think a lot of people have the expectation that like, that you should always be available to like correct someone or to like lecture them or to teach that, like turn that into a teachable moment. But you're yeah. like trying to work with your caregiver and it, you don't, it's not your responsibility, especially like every single moment if you don't fucking feel like it.
2: No. And I, you know, and I, I am, I am of the mind that I try to see teachable moments and I, this going to sound really cliche, but I, I try to see teachable moments as an opportunity over over an obligation so I try to always even if I don't want to sometimes take a deep breath and try to remember that if I can change their their viewpoint right now I'm gonna try but this morning I was that I was like nope not doing it not doing it right now nope nope so I just said (laughs) I just said okay let's talk about something else and we moved on because I don't want to why first of all how do you know I'm gonna get married why did you automatically assume that I was straight and she's a new caregiver, so I didn't want to like blast her with my activism at eight thirty in the morning. it's not my, <laughs> it's not my favorite thing to do. So I just got to let it go. Well, but I I mean, just... it's
0: such an interesting relationship too, because y- you know you're both feeling out one an- like how you're going to communicate with one another in this like intimate professional relationship that you have. You know, she's yeah. probably trying to feel you out too.
2: Yeah, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to come off as super like angry activist right away. So I just, I just kind of said, "All right, let's talk about what I want to do next." I mean, so that experience, and then the other experience that I that I encounter a lot within the queer community is that I have to come out as disabled all the time. Sure. They see me in a chair, uh, they and so they they assume they think they know what disability is. Mm until i start mentioning oh you want to you want to come over and fuck me great well i'm gonna need help with this i'm gonna need help with this i'm gonna need to be taken out of my chair and undressed i'm gonna need you to redress me after i come all over your face and then i'm gonna, <laughs> and then i'm gonna need you to you know put me back in my chair like this is the reality of my of fucking of like doing things with me so like and it's so funny because guys will always i'll say i'll say them all and i'm uh wheelchair user is that okay and they'll go oh yeah no problem and then they'll walk in my house and be like oh i didn't realize you were that disabled and it's like well yeah i laid it out for you so i can't so the way they overlap is that i'm never done coming out i'm never done
0: yeah
2: forging those identities together always in in, it and it's really it's it's such a cool thing to be able to do that but it's also exhausting absolutely It's 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 sometimes I just want to fuck. Okay. I don't want to have to let, la- I don't want to have to lay out my otherness for you right now. I just want to get naked with you or I want to go on a date or I want to, but I'm constantly dealing with this otherness that is really, um, that I, and I have to teach them all the time. But I think once, one of the good things about that though, is once I teach them, yeah, oh, then if they're, if they're strong willed and willing to, and willing to give it a shot, most gay men aren't. Unfortunately, most gay men want to, you know, fuck me as their novelty fuck and then disappear. Mm. So that's kind of been my experience. I'm the king of one night stands. I haven't actually spent time with somebody on a regular basis to see what could happen. But I like, um, I kind of like the power in being different in a way. So Even though it's fucking annoying sometimes, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I was your first disabled guy. There's a a really weird power in that.
0: Oh my god, that's so interesting, too, because the the word that you used, novelty, is so connected to this idea of exotification, right? Like, um, in some ways, we don't want to be exotified for for being queer for being a sex worker for being trans for being poc for being disabled etc cetera, etc cetera. but in some ways with the right dynamic you know like being a novelty being being uh, objectified like being, being like reduced to that element of us can you really hot for some people in, in some times and I, I think it is connected to what you uh the other word that you just used which is power like where how is that power dynamic working
2: it's I love that power dynamic I love it I remember, I remember that one of the best sex I have one of the best times I ever had sex was with a guy and we were done and he goes I didn't know you could do it like that <laughs> and I was like yeah oh yeah and it was just really empowering because, or they'll say like, I've never been with a guy in a chair, but I really want to. And there's something kind of intoxicating about mm. talking to these guys in the apps or talking to them about their fetish around disability. And, and I've talked to people who are devotees, which is, for people who don't know, a devotee is somebody who is is particularly attracted only to people with disabilities. Mm. I had somebody on my show a couple of weeks ago, a few months ago actually, who is a devotee and who met their husband on a devotee website and I thought it was so fucking cool because I was like, "Wow, somebody who is gonna embrace this disability thing is really—that's that's awesome." Yeah. So I think when guys fetishize me, I don't get scared. I kind of get excited because I'm like, "You want it? Okay, this interests you. Let's try that. Let me, let me, let me be the first to to help you lose your crippled virginity." Um, <laughs> so I mean, again, there there is a power in that. And I think people with disabilities need to start harnessing that power and need to start realizing that yeah there's a lot that their lover might need to do for them in bed but they're also opening up their lover to a whole different world that they may not have been ready for
0: wow i agree so much and also you're just making me smile so big um I'm- i know like, i can hear you
2: giggling which is my favorite <laughs> <laughs>
0: um i'm wondering if you identify as kinky
2: i do i kink is a new thing that i am kind of um getting used to I haven't done a lot of kink because a lot of kink spaces are not physically accessible to me that's so what what do you yeah.
0: think what do you think kink community and kink spaces can do to make their spaces more accessible and welcoming to disabled people in their communities
2: stop having sex in dungeons with a lot of stairs yeah like totally. I just that's number one stop having sex in dark places cuz a lot of people with low vision can't uh, can't d- join in the fun there yeah. um, you know they need to start looking at places on an accessibility level first yeah as opposed to what's going to be the sexiest like dark thing we could do mm-hmm. okay the, i real i understand the hotness of like being in a harness in a dark dungeon fucking somebody that's hot but l- i don't care if there's lights on i'll still wear the harness and fuck you and pretend like we're in a dungeon it doesn't matter yeah. like <laughs> There, there needs to be I think there needs to be um, there needs to be a discussion within the kink community of what how disability can can transform kink. And Won't fill the holes of my mind the things I'm dreaming of from my station.
0: In Terror Bang is produced and hosted by yours truly, Tina Horn. Our theme music is by my brother from another mother, Moot. Thanks for listening.